What is up and welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing. Alongside me, as always, Mr. Dominic Jose Bazonio. Dom, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Staying, staying as busy as I can. Uh, had a nice uh, achievement this week uh, for the English at 4,000 followers on Twitter, which is cool. Uh, great to see. <laughs> Great to see Soda Soccer also climbing up there. We hit fourteen hundred a, a little bit back. Um, so yeah, no, I mean a uh, lot, lot of good soccer stuff going on, and looking forward to talking about it. The Soda Soccer account has almost reached my personal Twitter follower account, and I've been on Twitter for like thirteen years. Soda Soccer <laughs> has been a thing for four and a half months, so it's uh, it's climbing. I'm going to get caught and passed here pretty quick, but there is absolutely no reason why I should have more followers than the Soda Soccer account. So it's a good. It's a good thing to see. Speaking of Soda Soccer, it's your new home for soccer coverage in the North. Check us out, sodasoccer.com. Just look at the last few articles. You will see how much we actually cover in the world of Minnesota soccer. Um, Just posted a match preview for Friday night's match between Minnesota United and Vancouver Whitecaps. That is from our very own John Marthaler. Um, Our own Adam Grunwald did a great recap of Minneapolis City's 2-1 loss to Thunder Bay, which we'll get to on the podcast. That match recap is up. Um, a lot of great content, both on the Minnesota United side and the lower league side, available there at sodasoccer.com as well. So check us out. Consider supporting our Patreon, patreon.com slash sodasoccer. Um, also, if you support the Patreon, you'll get access to our weekly bonus podcast, 10K Stoppage Time, where it's really just a topic we weren't able to get to on the show. We put it there on patreon.com slash sodasoccer as kind of a thank you for everybody who is subscribing and supporting us. And this week, Dom, uh, your worlds are colliding a little bit. Uh, and we're, we're going to talk about it on uh, patreon.com slash sodasoccer for 10K stoppage time. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I've been waiting a long, long time for Minnesota United to uh, get involved with uh, a Venezuelan uh, football player, which, of course, is, is my other sort of main activity is is venezuelan football and uh we finally have some some rumors some information floating around that suggests that minnesota united may be uh interested in andres romero uh who's a a 19 year old midfielder at monogas in liga footve which is the the first division of venezuela and uh so we'll we'll be talking a little bit about him and 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 what i've heard what i've seen and uh what he could bring to the loons if if this uh interest were to to manifest into some sort of some sort of offer so looking forward to talking about that how long have you had notifications on for tweets that include hashtag mnufc <laughs> and venezuela in the same tweet you know to be honest i haven't had that on because i've just checked myself uh intensely <laughs> every day but it's a good thing i did it because for four or five years literally nothing's happened so yep. uh I, but my my patience is paying off, and uh, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to uh, to those worlds meeting, like you said. This is your time, Dom. This is your time to shine. Don't <laughs> don't don't miss the opportunity. You only get one shot, yeah. one opportunity, as Eminem said. So yeah. make sure you take a full advantage of it. Um, so uh, just a, a glimpse of the content that you can get both at sodasoccer.com and patreon.com slash soda soccer if you want to follow us on twitter you can do that at soda soc as we inch closer to that 1500 follower mark would help to get your support on that and then also if you like what we're doing here on the podcast you have not hit that subscribe button please do and then also 
uh, leave us a rating and review if you haven't as well on your preferred podcast platform. Um, I think that that's it for the uh, for the pleasantries. Let's get into the headlines here, and we're going to kick things off like we normally do. So, just to give you a little rundown on everything that we're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to talk about Minnesota United's three to two win over Real Salt Lake, Aurora clinching the USLW League uh, playoff spot in the Heartland Division, clinching that conference or division title, if you will. Um, Minneapolis City Futures following in the falling in the round of thirty two in the UPSL National Playoffs. Um, Salvo SC taking home the WPSL crown, um, as well as everything happening in the NPSL North as it pertains to that race for the top of the table between Med City and Duluth. So as usual, a lot of content to get to on the show today. So let's jump into it with Minnesota United talk and their three to two win over Real Salt Lake. Same scoreline as the LA Galaxy match, Dom, but... I think a much different feeling following the overall performance. We'll get into the details in just a second, but just kind of want your, your knee jerk reaction, your, your just overall feelings following that three to two home win over RSL. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think, um, unfortunately Minnesota United is in this phase right now where, where even good results tend to leave questions. Uh, and this game definitely left me with questions. There are obviously some some big highlight moments. Uh, one of the best uh, games we've seen from Reynoso probably the whole season so far. Obviously, two goals and an assist. Uh, you know, uh, Luis Amaria, to his credit, uh, having some some good highlights. Obviously, a goal in the mix there. Uh, defensively in the first half, you know, not conceding. Um, lot 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 to like, especially in the first forty five. But, but even in the first hour or so of, of this match and, and even after the full-time whistle, uh, at the same time, we did see again uh, the Loons struggle to maintain clean sheets, to maintain a strong lead uh, it, with, you know, in that sort of 10-minute span in this, I believe, from about the 70th to the, to the 80th minute of the match, you see an impact player uh, like Jefferson Saverino uh, from uh, RSL uh, step up, get a goal and an assist, and all of a sudden a game that looked clinched at 3-0 uh, is, is anything but, and you and you have mm-hmm. that pressure for the last chunk of the game, akin to what you know we saw with the Galaxy, but really what we've seen on and off through the whole season. Uh, and so, you know, my, my, my surface takeaway, again, is just there's, there's a lot of things that are really great about this Loons team right now, but for every positive there, there seems to be a, a reflected negative mm-hmm. that they just can't seem to figure out and that yep. that remains concerning to me if this team you know because the way the season has gone the conversation has kind of become about making the playoffs um this season uh which is certainly something that this team could could still do my only concern now as the pitcher sort of continues to expand and take shape is if this team makes the playoffs, I'm concerned they're just going to get knocked out right away again because mm. the overall quality match to match, minute to minute, feels like the kind of team that will sneak into the playoffs, get drawn against a much higher table team, and get smashed. And mm. so my concern, again, we'll talk more, is just how can this team address these recurring issues, these late goals, these these give, giving away leads? How can the team deal with that so that it won't be a problem down the road. Uh, This match, unfortunately, left me no more confident uh, on Mm -hmm. that topic. 
Yeah, there were a lot of positives to take away from this match, a lot to like, but you're right. And I think if this match was not preceded by numerous instances of Minnesota United collapsing in the second half in matches, it would be a lot easier to digest uh, that RSL mini comeback that we saw. I mean, RSL is second in the West for a reason. You know, they're, they're a really good top-to-bottom team. and That includes the attack as well. So, you know, I think that they weren't, you know, they, they obviously weren't going to just lie down and take the the clean sheet loss. They were, they kept pushing and, you know, they, they found quality and found the back of the net. And yeah. It seemed kind of seems like a, <clears throat> excuse me, a boogeyman situation for the loons. But at the same time, I think the overall performance for the 90 was, was pretty good. It just came up. It just came down to an RSL team, you know, finding a way to break through a couple times in that 75th minute plus. But as far as the, the good instances for Minnesota United go specifically, um, Reynoso in the first half, a brace, one um, really nice goal. And then another off the PK, uh, Reynoso then assists Amaria at the hour mark to make it three nil. Reynoso just had an incredible game. Um, this is the first time we saw Robin Lud play at the eight for Minnesota United, which um, was objectively a surprising thing to see in Minnesota United's 4-2-3-1 formation. Yes, he plays the eight in Finland. It is a much different role when you're talking about instances where he is the only central midfielder. You're talking about instances where they're playing a five back. It's it's much different than the 4-2-3-1 that Minnesota United plays. And Adrian Heath even said as much in the post-game press conference that he has never played in his life or in his professional footballing career, the eight in our type of system. So he calls it a double pivot. Now, again, I don't know enough about soccer tactics to know what double pivot means, but um, it, I do know that it's, you know, the Minnesota United system, the 4-2-3-1, that eight role, while it's, it's attacking, it can be attacking oriented. You can get involved in the attack. The eight and the six are defensive midfield positions in a way that they really might not be for the Finnish national team, or at least the eight specifically. So it was the first time that Lud had played that position for Minnesota United. Um, he's got the body for it. I think he's obviously got the skill set for it too, as we saw. Um, I thought he played excellent. Sounds like the Ariaga and Rosales um, omissions may continue for the next match as well. So we may have to see Robin Lud play that again against Vancouver tonight, if you're listening on Friday. But that performance on what was it now saturday sunday sunday um it leaves me very confident that if he's called upon to play this role similar to how we've seen him at striker similar to how we've seen him at the 10 in in a couple instances um that he'll be able to play this at a quality level too if uh, you're having to do so for you know a few more matches this season yeah you know it's really interesting to see um Robin Lud plays so many positions for this team already in the, in the handful of years that he's he's been on the team. And, and there's even enough debate to be had about which forward position he should be playing at. Uh, and like you said, I understand that he has played other positions like the eight and other midfield roles in various situations, but we've not seen him do that in with Adrian Heath at all or in this current system or with this squad. Uh, Finland play very differently and also play a very different level of teams, to be perfectly frank, week to week, or not even week to week, but, you know, international break to international break compared to what Minnesota United is playing week to week. Um, So to see 
what that looks like in the system in MLS uh, was very interesting. It surprised me. I have to very quickly. My first look at the eleven was actually on on uh, Footmob, the the app, and and yep, on there, Juanwane <laughs> was the eight because they were confused by you know all that, which was going to blow my mind even more. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, you know, so yes, it, it was a good performance from Robin Lloyd. Uh, you know, fit into that role well. Obviously, just such a versatile uh, uh, player, which is such a, a huge asset to have, particularly in a team like this where, you know, you, you have your injuries, you have uh, card accumulation going on with certain players, you, you have pieces that are uncertain in, in, in their future. It's really useful to have a guy that you can shift around. Um, that being said, you know, the, the unfortunate part here is this. Adrian Heath might have found a partial solution to long-term discussions about the loons midfield but that means that now he would not be able to play probably his most effective forward so mm-hmm. robin lud is going to have to return to that front line at some point um mm-hmm. in my opinion agreed, uh, agreed. So that, um, yeah go ahead no i was just going to say uh that that move will be easier to digest from an attacking standpoint if we continue to get quality from Luis Amaria. Um, if he continues to build confidence, if Reynoso continues this, you know, trajectory he's on uh, four goals in two matches, five goals in his last four matches after only two goals all season prior, or I think it might've been three goals, but either way, um, Robin Lud's flexibility in this roster is ridiculously valuable for the way Adrian Heath wants to play. Um, the you almost need flexibility in your pieces the way Adrian Heath plays uh, his his roster. Um, I also think that you're right though. If we get into a playoff situation in the first round, say you're going to Seattle or Portland again or whoever, ideally Robin Lud's not playing at the eight, right? Right. Right. So um, hopefully these these issues with Ariaga and Rosales as far as injuries and and being unable to play. Hopefully those are not long-term issues. Um, we're able to kind of get back to that ideal 11 for Minnesota United moving forward. But it is, you know, it is nice and refreshing to see that even in this instance, when you're playing the number two team in the West, you're still able to get the job done. You're still able to find the attack and find the goals that maybe you weren't finding prior. Um, so that's, that's all positive um, moving forward for Minnesota United. But again, that comes with that little bit of uh, of you know an asterisk that it was interesting down the stretch again. Yeah. This right. team, you know, the the goal differential in the second half for this team is is nowhere near it is in the first half. Um, right. And especially when you're talking about 80th plus minute, I know neither of these goals for RSL came in the 80th plus minute, um, but the later you get in the match, the worse the goal differential is. For Minnesota United, so they need to address that. And we've we've had this discussion numerous times. It's been agreed with and disagreed with, but I think that starts with finding finding maybe younger quality players along the back line. Now, that's not saying the back line has, is not quality as it is for Minnesota United, but I do think that we're seeing sort of glimpses where maybe some changes need to be made for both the short and long-term. I think you want to be more proactive than reactive when you're talking about replenishing quality and replenishing pieces in the defensive portion of the pitch for Minnesota. 
Um, whether that means bringing a DP center back, which there have been more than a few DP center backs in MLS, uh, you know, over, especially over, over the last three or four years, um, whether that means using that DP spot for a, a defensive midfielder. Um, I, I think both those areas of the pitch need addressed. Um, and I think the more we see these sort of second half concessions and, you know, the other team really having the, the lion's share of the, of the quality in the attack in the second half of these matches, um, that I think issue just becomes more prevalent. It's not a major issue right now. I'm not pulling the fire alarm and pulling the ripcord at this point, but we're seeing those cracks start to emerge. And I would much rather see Minnesota United be proactive in addressing those than waiting till it's too late. Uh, I know they just signed Debassi to an extension, but he is aging. Michael Boxall is getting older. I don't want to wait until you need to make the switch to make the switch. I want to see this team be proactive in addressing those now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, You know, again, we we talked before, whether this ends up being a a more of a midfield uh, signing or actual backline signing, this team clearly needs to plan for the future uh, of its defense, arguably something that could be even improved right now. Um, I know, I know people really like the defenders this team has, but you know, they, they, they are consistently conceding a lot of goals in the second half of every game, including the ones they win and including the ones they don't win. Um, that to me is, it's not controversial to say that that needs change and that will probably need even more change next season when all these guys have another year, uh, on the books in, or whatever the term is. Uh, and, and, you know, they're going to be dealing with a, a new wave of probably even younger forwards and even faster forwards. Um, I, yeah, I don't think it's a wild thing to suggest some heavy investment. I mean, this team has done it before, albeit not as a DP, but they put a lot of money into Ike Opara, obviously, who, who dramatically improved the team. They put a considerable amount of investment in other defensive midfield, uh, defensive midfielders and defenders in, in the past. Uh, you know, you look at the kinds of, defenders that end up on those DP contracts. It's the, it's the Zimmermans, it's the Wastons, it's the Menzas. Uh, these are, you know, pretty elite defenders that dramatically improve their teams. Uh, I think that is something Minnesota United should look into as you look at a back line that's essentially old guys uh, in their thirties or very close to that who are not necessarily performing at their best uh, in MLS right now. I, I know that our, goals conceded and all that is not uh, horrible in comparison to the league at large. But I think what's more concerning is how those goals are coming in when they're coming in. Uh, and, and that's, that's more what leaves me thinking that uh, we need to, to invest and, and shift the direction the team is going into uh, next season. Uh, and, and again, that, that's something that could be affected by a midfield signing. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about um, who uh, Ariaga could be paired with next year. Some also debating on whether Ariaga should be, you know, the one that we're pairing people with. But uh, you could certainly improve the team's defensive record that way as well. Uh, we might talk a little bit later, but there's there's obviously been uh, some talk about a, a potential uh, right back signing for the team as well uh, that could affect things. But again, I I, I just think that. Uh, investment in the back is arguably the more important mission for Minnesota United, uh, you know, second half of the season going into the next season. 
I don't really think that more investment is needed in the front line where at the end of the day, you are getting goals, you are having some good performances, um, very rarely not scoring. But um, yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the team evaluates uh, the needs they have up front versus the needs they have at the back. As uh, as we've said many times, I think we both agree that those those needs are 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 more so in the back half of the pitch. All right, you can call this our 10K coffee break because it's time to tell you about our friends over at Night Street Soccer and Coffee. Derek and his team at Night Street have been so great to us, and we hope you can support them the way they've done for us over this past year. Night Street is part indoor soccer facility, part coffee shop. You heard me right. You can get a pickup game in and get your espresso fix all in the same place. How cool is that? I have to say, I was lucky enough to sample some of the coffee you can get at 9th Street. My goodness, it's some great stuff. Derek is one hell of a barista, I'll just say that. Affordable weekly pickup is always available at 9th Street. You can reserve the field for your team, party, or group outing. And they always have something cool going on at 9th Street, including Minnesota United watch parties happening periodically for road games throughout the season. So make sure you check them out on IG and Twitter at 9th. Ninth Street MPLS. That's Ninth and Street, both spelled out. N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S on IG and Twitter. Look them up on Facebook and Google, or visit their website, NinthStreetMPLS.com. Just like the uh, social handles, N I N T H S T R E E T M P L S.com to sign up for pickup, reserve field time, or just learn all about our good friends over at Ninth Street Soccer and Coffee. 801 South Ninth Street, Minneapolis, or online at NinthStreetMPLS.com. So as we mentioned next, Minnesota travel to Vancouver on July 8th, and they're kind of two teams that are on the edge of the playoff line right now. But Minnesota coming up has a run of games where they are facing, you know, eighth or worse teams in the Western Conference. They have not had uh, a stretch like this all season. Actually, their strength of schedule up to this point has been pretty um, tough, you know, up to this point. But they're going to get a stretch of games here, uh, a much-needed stretch against, uh, you know, quote-unquote lesser competition in terms of the table. Um, they've dropped some points early on in the season. This is a this is a stretch where you can recoup that. Because after you go to Vancouver, you host Sporting KC, who's had some serious issues this year. I believe they're 12th in the West currently. Then you host DC United, who's near the bottom of the East. And then you have the friendly against Everton on the 20th, which I'm absolutely stoked about. And then you go to Houston Dynamo on the 23rd. So you're talking about a stretch here where most of your games are at home, or I should say maybe maybe half of that stretch if you're not counting the uh, the friendly. So you have two games at home, two on the road, but all against teams who are kind of at the bottom of their respective conferences or near the bottom of their respective conferences. Um, you look at these four games, I think nine out of 12 points. Is kind of what you need to be looking at here, um, if you kind of want to stay in the spot you're in and stay in contention for that for that playoff line when you're getting to you know at that point it's it's late July, early August, and you are in sort of that final stretch of the season. Yeah, definitely. This is this is going to be a wildly crucial span of games for the Loons, and like you said, you have those those SKC and DC United games that you would hope you get points from, given the the form of the opposition. That Vancouver game uh, this week is going to be a huge one. Uh, one, obviously, because 
Manchester United needs points right now, but also because giving points to Vancouver or dropping points to Vancouver does a, a huge amount of damage to, to the Loons' uh, playoff hopes. So uh, right now, those teams are at essentially the same record and, uh, and both really fighting to, to edge into the, the playoff zone. So uh, really, really important stretch. We need to see this loon side go or host teams they should be beating and perform with the uh, you know attacking electricity that we see against RSL uh, or to a degree against the Galaxy and, and less of what we've seen against, you know, say, an Inter-Miami side that the Loons traveled to loons sort of 50 50 on whether or not they would get points there and obviously they they collapse late and get none we need to see less of that we need to see a a, a clinical loon side that can get goals get points in these sorts of stretches uh because that's that's literally what they need to do if if they want to uh one get into the playoffs and two get a a a good playoff berth and not one that sets them up for a, a very difficult till the time so tonight it's a late one against Vancouver. If you're listening on Friday, 9.30 p.m. Central Time is the kickoff. Uh, we will be there for post loons following the match on the Soda Soccer Twitter and YouTube channels as well. So make sure you subscribe to all that. Of course, we, we, we always post post loons as a uh, podcast on for audio form after that if you'd rather listen to post loons than watch. All right, moving on to the lower league scene now. And it's, uh, or excuse me, before we get to the lower league scene, there's actually another bit of Loons news to get to as they are linked heavily with Paraguayan right back Alan Benitez. Our very own Jacob Schneider um, you know, had a little bit of a, a, a combo scoop, if you will, that uh, a signing was imminent for Benitez and Minnesota United. Uh, Benitez has played for all three of Paraguay's big three, Olympia, Libertad, and Cerro Porteño. Um, and uh, Paraguayan league title has been won by a club outside of that three just 25 times. So, um, you know, they're that he's played for the, the three big three, if you will. It's like playing for Seattle, Portland, and the Galaxy, uh, in MLS, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so he's uh, he's been he's been a, a huge, huge part of that Paraguayan league, um, Paraguayan's national team as well. Um, and he is somebody that Minnesota United is is obviously looking to bring in. Uh, has multiple league titles himself. Um, spent two seasons in Benfica B in the Portuguese second tier. He, of course, he has five five caps for the Paraguayan national team as well. So um, we've talked about where this team needs to add. We've talked about it being the back line. A lot of our discussion has been, you know, in the center of the back line, but this is a right, right back potentially coming in. DJ Taylor has been excellent he's been really good if it weren't for reynoso probably would have had another man of the match performance for minnesota united um in that rsl win but benitez is you know probably somebody that balloons have had on the radar for a while at upgrading at that right back position how are you feeling about this potential signing considering the quality that benitez would bring but also the quality that they've gotten internally from dj taylor yeah, it's an interesting one uh, because, again, Taylor has, has been a pretty positive project signing, so to say, um, or not new signing, but project, you know, substitution via injury uh, for the Loons. Uh, Benitez certainly would bring uh, uh, a little more experience and uh, a different angle for that back line. Uh, he has uh, quite a bit of, of minutes 
in his legs from Paraguay, from multiple clubs, also with the national team, albeit he's been sort of a peripheral player uh, on the Paraguayan national team. Uh, yeah, I, I think it'd be an interesting addition. I think it provides Minnesota United with a, a right back akin to a, Ro, a Rom, uh, Roman Metinere, someone that has a little more experience, someone who has a, a little more global knowledge of the game, so to say. Uh, I, I do think it's probably harsh on DJ Taylor to be dropped given his general quality and, and his age, but at the same time, uh, uh, professional sports are, are a harsh business. So uh, I could very much see this being something the Loons are, are looking to do. And, and you know, it would provide another conduit point in the, in the connection you have in this roster right now, particularly with players from uh, the southern part of South America, particularly Argentina and, and Paraguay. Um, that you know that 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 could certainly prove a, a useful connection uh, in in the match day roster. So yeah, it's interesting. You know, I think it would be a little more exciting. He was slightly younger, I believe he's twenty eight. Um, so you know, again, that puts the Loons in a position where in a couple years he he's sort of already on that that later age bracket. But uh, at the same time, this is a guy that uh, has played big games played in Libertadores, won some, some league titles in his time. He's uh, played at the biggest stage as possible, really, for, for his country, for his home country, uh, playing for uh, three teams, all based, by the way, in, in the capital where he is from. Uh, and so, you know, this will be an interesting challenge for him to leave his uh, hometown and his home country and, and, and try something else. But uh, I'd be curious to see how he fits into that back line how soon he can fit into that back line as well. And uh, yeah, what that battle is like between him and DJ Taylor in terms of minutes. You know, I, I put something out on Twitter that, um, you know, during the match, you know, DJ just made an immediate impact right off the bat in the back line, as he's done on numerous occasions over the last month or so. And I tweeted something like, DJ Taylor has earned every opportunity to be this team's long-term solution at right back. And I got a lot of comments that said, you know, the best player is going to play. It's competition, competition. The best player is going to play. Whoever trains the best, whoever shows out, that's going to be the one who gets, who, you know, earns a slot. And I, I get that. Don't get me wrong. But do you really want to see Minnesota United spend a significant amount of money on another player who's not going to play? Like, let's say they bring right. Benitez in. DJ Taylor keeps the trajectory he's on. He earns that starting slot. Great. But now you're throwing more money at a guy to bring a guy in who's now not going to now not going to play, or the reverse side of that. Benitez comes in, earns a spot, he plays great. Where does that leave DJ Taylor then? Right, right? because then all of a sudden now you're potentially stunting someone's development. I get you have him in UFC two and MLS Next Pro as options to keep them on the pitch, but him not getting the opportunity to continue to play in MLS against some of the best, you know, uh, attacking players that, that America has to offer, um, continue his development that way, you're sort of stunting that a little bit if he's then diverted to the bench. Right. So it's, it's, it's an interesting situation where, yes, competition is great. If we success, best player is going to play. I get it. But I don't, I don't necessarily like either of those scenarios if you bring Benitez in. Either he gets relegated to the bench because DJ keeps, keeps going well, or he Benitez earns the spot, but then DJ's moved to the bench. Neither of those sit really well with me. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree that this was not the area I would have thought they would be putting this attention towards. Um, 
I, I get one thing that occurs to me, I, I have seen, it seems like Benitez does have experience playing other positions, uh, particularly right midfield. And it seems, it looks like he may have actually put in some shifts at left back as well. I, and so I wonder if potentially that that's something in the, in the Heath algorithm that he's, he's thinking about using him in a, in a less conventional way, but you know, that that's conjecture. I, I don't know that to be true. Um, yeah, I know. I, I agree with your point. I, I think it would be harsh for, for Taylor to suddenly not be the guy playing. I think he's played very well. I don't think he particularly would benefit from being put down to MLS Nets pro. I, I just don't believe that's his level at all. Um, and so there would really not be much benefit to him playing in it. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting investment. Um, and uh, it, it'll be interesting to see once Benitez is, is in this squad formally. Um, it'll be interesting to see what, what that competition is like. Is there somehow a plan to, to play him somewhere else? And, and so it's not a problem for Taylor. If they are planning to play him at right back as he usually does. Yeah. What does that leave Taylor with? Uh, it's, it's an interesting decision. It's an interesting decision that I, I'm willing to, to wait and kind of see how they've figured it out. Uh, and, and hopefully they figured out something that I'm not seeing, but I, I, I do agree that uh, it, it seems harsh to, to set up a replacement for uh, a player that I, that I, I think in, in the form of DJ Taylor, that, has not particularly warranted replacing. Of course, that's not the only rumored potential acquisition for Minnesota United in this transfer window. Um, we already kind of teased Andres Romero, a 19-year-old from Venezuela. Um, you'll be, you can hear more about him and those rumors during our 10K stoppage time segment, which you can find right now at patreon.com slash soda soccer. All right, moving down to the lower leagues now, USLW League, it is Minnesota Aurora. They have clinched the Heartland Division um, after they blanked the Chicago Dutch Lions 3-0 on the road. Goals from Maya Hansen in the 14th minute. Morgan Stone off a PK that she also earned in the 60th minute. And then Kat Rapp off an assist from her sister Rami uh, to finish things off. Also in this match saw both goalkeepers for Aurora. Sarah Fuller and Taylor Kane both got in the match. They combined for the clean sheet. So that's nine straight wins, a 9-0-1 record. And so after this match, Dom... Aurora were playing the waiting game because the result between Green Bay and Chicago City, this match between Aurora and Dutch Lions was Thursday evening. Uh, Green Bay and Chicago City then played Saturday afternoon. And the result of that match was going to determine whether or not Aurora was going to go into this final weekend against Green Bay, having clinched the title, or if they would need to take care of business in Green Bay to do that. Well, it was Chicago City drawing Green Bay 3-3. And so that ends Green Bay's title bid, and that clinches the Heartland Division title for Aurora, and they take the division's lone playoff spot. Now, while the stakes are significantly lower now for the Aurora Green Bay back-to-back on July 7th and 9th, so this weekend, this Friday and Sunday, um, it's still going to be a cool way to end what has been a successful season for both clubs, albeit Green Bay is not going to make the playoffs, but I do think as this W league continues, probably more than one team from each division will end up making the playoffs at some point, obviously it won't be this year. Um, but green Bay still had a successful season and they'll get a chance to at least take a little bit of a, you know, a consolation out of it 
if they can, uh, you know, hand Aurora maybe their their first loss of the season in this final weekend. But first and foremost, hats off to Minnesota Aurora. A great, obviously, first season, a historic first season for this club. Um, and, then, of course, they're, they're undefeated at this point and have clinched that playoff spot. Just awesome. Yeah, again, I mean, we've talked about it before. We could probably talk, talk about it for a while. But Minnesota Aurora have just uh, uh, absolutely perfectly executed uh, uh, their, their plans, their goals for this season so far. Uh, you know, literally dropping two points uh, the, along the way so far, obviously potentially more, but uh, undefeated, you know, not even close to losing or drawing really any of their matches. Uh, just just extremely impressive. And, and again, really interested to see how they do in the playoffs. Uh, said it before, but again, I don't think they're a team that no one's going to want to be drawn against. Uh, on, on the Green Bay side, you know, I, I think I can say as as a, I was going to say former, I guess I'm not a former Wisconsinite. I'm always from Wisconsin. But as a Wisconsinite, as a person that used to live in Wisconsin, uh, I think uh, Green Bay will still be extremely interested in being the first team to beat Minnesota Aurora. Absolutely. Uh, and, and obviously improving their own record, improving the v- records of the various individual players, et cetera. Um, I think there's still plenty for them to want to to take from those two games, uh, and and from Minnesota Aurora, you know, teams in that in this position, these high high performing sides that are going on these unbeaten runs and so on and so forth. Uh, the 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 thing that usually bothers them the most is when those runs end, and so I, I think they will be more than than. Uh, engaged in making sure they get points out of these two games against Green Bay and, and hopefully win both of them. So while the playoffs are no longer up for grabs, which obviously added a lot more tension to the to this back-to-back, uh, I still think that the the, the re-meeting of this, this sort of new rivalry and all that, I, I think there's still plenty to watch for. I think there's still plenty to play for uh, from both sides. Uh, and so, you know, I, I'm still very interested to see how Aurora perform on the road in Green Bay. And if Green Bay, again, can can be the first team to uh, to take uh, all three against uh, the uh, the division or the conference champs. First of those two matches is tonight, if you're listening, on Friday. And then both teams wrap up the regular season against each other on Sunday afternoon. Those matches can be found via 11 Sports. If you just go in that 11 Sports app um, or on your computer, um, and you type in Green Bay Glory, you should be able to find that channel there and where you can watch those two matches. All right, so now let's move to... Oh, um, before we move to USL League 2, Aurora will, will host the first round of the W League playoffs. So they could drop both these games against the Glory. They will still host that first round of the W League playoffs July 13th. That's at TCO Stadium. Tickets are on sale today for listening on Friday. And they, if you know anything about the attendance and the support, that this Aurora team has gotten during the regular season, these tickets are going to go like that. So if you're listening before 10 a.m., get in that queue, get in whatever, you know, click, get in the link, do whatever you got to do to be ready to buy those tickets as soon as they go on sale. If you're listening after the fact and then listening in the afternoon, you probably missed out. Sorry. But, um, yeah, these tickets are going to go quick. So make sure you snag them while you can. Again, July, th- July 13th, TCO Stadium. Aurora hosting that first round of the W3 playoffs after clinching the Heartland division. 
We'll get right back into the episode in just a minute, but I want to talk to you about our friends over at Pence Homes. If you're on Minnesota United Twitter, you probably know who Nate Pence is. He's a diehard Loon supporter, but he's also a supporter of Minnesota soccer as a whole, just like us here at Soda Soccer. See, Nate and his team are realtors specializing in the St. Paul and Minneapolis area, and he proudly supports various teams and organizations in the Twin Cities soccer community, like Minneapolis City, our friends over at Equal Time Soccer, and now SodaSoccer.com and 10,000 pitches. Not only is Nate ingrained in the local soccer ecosystem here, he's also helped countless people in and around the Metro buy and sell their homes and has made them very happy as a result. But don't take our word for it. Just listen to what Kate W. had to say. She said, quote, Nate was excellent to work with. He's down to earth, approachable, not pushy. We developed a great rapport with Nate and have already recommended him to friends. So just head to pencehomes.com to get the process started or email Nate directly at nate at pencehomes.com. That's P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. Also, make sure you let them know Jeremy from Soda Soccer sent you. Again, that's pencehomes.com, P-E-N-T-Z homes.com. All right, USL League 2 now, going over to the men's side. Minneapolis City fall 2-1 to one to Thunder Bay Chill in their second-to-last match of the season. It was Sydney Toome netting the stoppage time goal for the Crows to get back in it, but they conceded both early in the first half and late in the second. That did the men. Uh, Adam Grunewald has a really good recap on this and how it's not necessarily um, diminished Minneapolis City's hopes that they can end this first inaugural USL League 2 season with a win. They have one more opportunity to do that. They have an 11-day break beforehand, but they will host St. Croix in the final edition of the Twin Cities Derby this season. Um, and that's going to be on the 15th. So one more match for City. They do fall 2-1 to one to Thunder Bay. One more opportunity to get that first win. And what better opportunity than against your Twin City, sort of new Twin City rivals, if you will, in St. Croix. Yeah, you know, it's a, it's a, about as as good a matchup as, as it gets for Minneapolis in terms of finding that, that first win. Uh, you know, they, they've gotten a point off St. Croix previously and, and obviously lost to them in a very narrow 1-0 loss before that. Uh, it's uh, it's another tough result for for the Crows, uh, who, you know, have kind of been in this pattern of, of conceding early, as they did against Thunder Bay uh, in this match. I believe the first goal went in within the first 10 minutes. And uh, that's something they're going to have to look to avoid. Uh, against the St. Croix side, that certainly has some talent up front. Um, but, uh, you know, again, I, I, I think the things that have that we've said about this season for Minneapolis City and others have said and they've said would be true really regardless of how these last two games go or in the, in the case of the Thunder Bay game have gone. Um they obviously have long-term aspirations for what this move will mean for the team and what this development opportunity will mean for the team. Unfortunately, again, not quite enough to get those points that they certainly would want. Um, they're keeping it close in these last couple of matches, which is encouraging, I think. But uh, yeah, it's tough. You know, and, and for what it's worth, this Thunder Bay side is actually quite good, and, and they, they're competing for second with uh, Peoria city and and so you know that that is worth noting but yeah again it's a it's a tough result uh hopefully minneapolis can give their their fans that that home win in that last match week against st croix 
Um, at the same time, St. Croix will certainly be looking to win that game and uh, uh, get as many points as they can this season and what's been an impressive year for them. But yeah, you know, again, it, it's just, it's been a very tough move to USL League 2 for Minneapolis City. Uh, that's something they're going to have to work on. Uh, and, and uh, you know, unfortunately, that, the toughness is continuing. It's not going to end suddenly. Um, but I, I think that they, at this point, were prepared for that and are probably already looking to how to fix things up for next year. Speaking of St. Croix, they lost the pure definition of a heartbreaker against Thunder Bay. Also a two-to-one scoreline, but this one came in heartbreaking fashion. They missed a penalty when it was 1-1. That could have given them the lead, and then they conceded just before the final whistle to uh, fall two-to-one. But on the positive side, Asher Ozuzu did score in his debut for the Legends to level the match in the 64th minute, Um, but it was that two-to-one loss. Uh, So St. Croix now has two matches remaining this season. They play at Des Moines this weekend, July 9th. So that's on Sunday, or excuse me, on Saturday. Um, and then they also will uh, finish up the season, obviously, in that aforementioned match against Minneapolis City on uh, on the 15th. Moving to the UPSL, though, speaking of Minneapolis City, the Futures did fall 1-0 to Chicago Nation in the first stage of the UPSL National Playoffs, and they conceded in the 93rd minute uh, in, that, in that loss. So a heartbreaking end to the season for the Futures, but... A lot to take away from the season. It was their first sort of competitive full season in a league in the UPSL. Um, and they, you know, obviously ran the table undefeated through that regular season and through the conference playoffs. Um, so it was their first competitive loss of the season, but also essentially their first competitive loss in the history of their program. Because although they weren't in a league last season, Dom, they did um, they did play a few competitive matches. Uh, kind of one-off matches, and they they were victorious in all of those. So, um, you know, really cool to see this Futures program grow this season. It does end in the round of 32, but a lot of positives that they can take and move forward, especially when you're talking about the future of this Minneapolis City program as a whole. When you see your Futures program performing like this, it's got to give you a lot of confidence that the future of your whole program is in good hands. Yeah, again, you know, the, this future side, this UPSL side has, has really been the, sh- the, the shining light, the silver lining. Uh, in Minnesota United or Minneapolis City's uh, uh, season uh, in 2022, uh, they performed so well. Unfortunately, they do lose this game by God, really the thinnest of margins possible. That 93rd minute uh, goal from Chicago Nation, and, and you know, so it's it's a it's a rough way to end what's truly been a, a really impressive, positive year. Uh, something I'm sure that that everyone on the team is well aware of, despite the loss. Um, and uh, and like you said, this group that has performed as well as they have in the UPSL this season now becomes one of the main talking points for the next year, uh, where you know we can assume that uh, Minneapolis City will will be again playing in, in multiple leagues, several of which are at a higher level. This talent group that they have is going to be absolutely crucial to anything they get done in the NPSL and the USL League too next year that's my prediction anyways um and so really looking forward to how a lot of these guys can can shape up in the off season and and maybe prove to be the difference makers in those other leagues next year we've already seen some of them play minutes in uh, the mpsl and, and usl league too um although i you know i i, I don't know if that's a, a fair 
way of monitoring their long-term ability because again they're being dropped into a different league different group they're not playing the same guys it's a tough way to judge a player's ability i think next year when you see a large group of these guys move up that's when they're really going to shine um but yeah again you know congratulations to to futures on the run that they made uh they should be they should be extremely proud of of really keeping that winning um tradition alive from Minneapolis city and, and what's otherwise been a, a pretty rough year. Full disclosure, you're probably going to hear my daughter yelling and, and playing in the background here. Um, she and I both have tested positive for COVID. Uh, we're fine though. No symptoms really for the most part, but we do have to sort of isolate from my wife and our five-year-old because they have not tested positive. So we're really sequestered in our one room basement here. Um, and so there's not a lot of not a lot of space, not a lot of uh, ways to find some uh, some peace and quiet. So you're probably going to hear her playing in the background. She gets really excited about soccer too. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So obviously last weekend was when Minneapolis City clinched that Midwest West Division title. Um, we also have uh, a champion crowned in the WPSL Northern Conference. It is Salvo finishing off the season with wins against Mankato and Sioux Falls. They complete a perfect 8-0-0 season. Congrats to them. Um, and secured their second Northern Conference title in history. Um, and they, it was a close race at the top. Minnesota Thunder were there, but um, three points separated Salvo and Thunder. No playoffs, um, at least on the on the conference side uh, in the WPSL. It's sort of Premier League, European League style where uh, the top of the table takes the crown. But now they will go to the national playoffs. And one Big reason why is Kaya Harper. She ended the regular season with 12 goals. She's top of the entire league as of now, but some conferences still have matches remaining, um, you know, before they get to the end of the end of the season. But she has obviously been an absolute um, crucial piece to the Salvo team, and um, they're going to the national playoffs now. This is my first time experiencing the national playoffs for the WPSL because obviously they didn't have a 2020 season. And last year there were no national playoffs. So I'm interested to see how the structure works. Um, the matchups will not be clear until after this weekend, once all the teams have played, but we'll be interested to see now how Salvo compete on the national stage in the WPSL after clinching that conference title. Yeah, absolutely. Really impressive season for them. Uh, like you said, you know, the difference maker in terms of their race with the Thunder ends up being those three points. But, I mean, that's that's uh, that's usually what decides things, as we've seen in basically every other uh, league that we cover, maybe outside of uh, Des Moines' hold on USL League 2. These sorts of things are usually won by by small amounts of points and one game, two game results that, that make the difference. Salvo figured that one out. Uh, Harper certainly helping with 12 goals in, in eight games, which is a ludicrous amount uh, uh, at any level of, of amateur or semi-pro soccer. So a uh, huge applaud to, to her for that. Uh, and yeah, they move they move on to the, the national playoffs. My understanding is that uh, potentially on the night of the ninth, we, we might have the, the matchups start to become more clear. Um, but uh, they're likely to play a team from the, the general sort of Midwest area, is my understanding. I talked to someone at the team about that briefly. Uh, but again, it's not, it's not clear who. So uh, we'll see. And, and uh, they're ending the year on a good run. Uh, well, they, the whole year was a good run. But they're ending on a high note, some really strong wins against good teams like Mankato and Sioux Falls. Uh, very interested to see 
just like, uh, you know, with, with Minnesota Aurora, really in, interested to see how Salvo uh, move on to represent Minnesota at that, that national level. Uh, they certainly seem like they're, they're ready to compete. So that's great to see uh, a strong team uh, emerge out of the WPSL this season and, uh, and move on to those playoffs. And finally, we'll wrap things up with the, uh, the, the crazy race at the top for the MPSL North Championship. Uh, Duluth beats Aris 3-0. Med City blasts the Twin Stars 8-1. And that sets up the rematch here on Saturday. Um, and essentially, now they, they will both, both teams will still have one match after this, but this is essentially for the conference title uh, between Duluth and Med City. Both, both clubs have clinched uh, their spot in the Midwest region playoffs, um, but it's all a matter of who's going to finish at the top and they have one more match on Saturday after Holden served this week. Um, obviously, Duluth got the best of Med City in their first matchup, but then Duluth blinked with that loss to the Fusion. Uh, so it will be interesting to see how things end up uh, shaking out there. Um, that's definitely a match to watch on Saturday. Um, speaking of the Fusion, though, a great end to their 2022 campaign. It's not over yet, but they have really – hit a stride over the last week or so. We talked about the win against Duluth. They also beat Minneapolis City 3-2. to two. That completes the double over the Crows, and they move into sole possession of third. Doesn't really get them anything. But, you know, the Fusion were bottom dwellers last year in the MPSL North. So to have the season they've had to rack up the wins and results that they have and finish third, you know, to just the dominant sides of Duluth, Duluth and Med City, um, definitely something that, Dakota has to feel really, really good about um, as they sort of head into the last couple of matches of this season, but obviously gives them a lot of momentum heading into, you know, when they're thinking about 2023 as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think one of the reasons, as you alluded to, obviously third place does not get you in the playoffs, anything like that. But one of the things that's exciting about how this fusion season has gone is, is the fact that they're doing it under a new head coach, uh, Sam Winning, who was uh, an assistant coach for them the year before. Uh, he's also this fall going to be taking part in his first season as a college head coach. So you got a guy who's in charge of this team right now, who's young, uh, clearly uh, showing his talents on the sideline, getting a group to move through a hard start to the year. Obviously the, the fusion had actually one of the poorest starts of the season of any of the teams in the North. Uh, and, and he's been able to flip the script on that, get wins against big teams on the road as well. Uh, and uh, so, you know, it's, it's a very promising season for the Fusion, a team that at one point in the history of this conference was a, a title competing side. Hasn't been for several years now. But uh, again, you know, Sam Winning is, is showing that uh, he, he and his, his squad should not be underestimated. Uh, and so it, it sets up a very interesting offseason for them. And uh, uh, certainly, certainly it's let them to get some points before the season is done as well. But uh, I, I will say that the way this has all gone leaves me, you know, very interested to see how, uh, how the conference feels before 2023 starts in terms of where the Fusion rank in sort of the, the preseason power rankings, because they've just proven to be a, a very good side this year. So here are the scenarios for how this thing could shake out on Saturday. Med City can clinch. They can clinch the conference title with a win because they then will go up four points on Duluth with that final game. Um, if Duluth win, 
they will have a two-point advantage over Med City going into that final game. A draw keeps things very wide open because it is only a one-point difference right now at the top of the table. If it's a draw, obviously that remains the case. And then you're talking about matchups and specific instances um, happening um, over the final week uh, or the final match, I should say, to uh, to see who, who takes home that conference title. So um, will be very interesting to see what happens on Saturday. That's a match to watch. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just exciting to see this late in the season, such a high stakes match in the NPSL North. That'll really, you know, at some level decide uh, the conference titles fate. Um, other matches this weekend, Minneapolis city host joy athletic uh, lacrosse, Eris welcome the fusion and twin stars make the trip West to Sioux falls. No matches in Wapasso this week. The top two, Lobos and Bateau, play on Sunday the 10th with major implications there. Um, but the league has also announced that Barron is going on hiatus for the rest of the year. Obviously, you don't, you know, you don't like to see that, um, see a club have to do this in the middle of the season. Um, all the best to them. And we'll see if they can sort of uh, get things back together for 2023. But the top of the table, obviously, is still very interesting. And you have one and two going at it on uh on sunday with lobos and bateau another match to watch in lower league soccer yeah absolutely yeah that's that's going to be a, a hell of a matchup that with with huge title implications uh on the table so really looking forward to that uh, on the barrier on the note of the baron news uh yeah unfortunate hopefully any issues at hand are, are figured out for for next season and you know un- unfortunately in general, at this level, this is a growth period that every league, every conference goes through in terms of, you know, getting to a point where there's just table stability every year. Uh, it's harder than it sounds. You know, all the teams that we talk about in the MPSL, UPSL, USL League 2, at one point were at a stage where they were playing in that sort of area and it just doesn't feel like it anymore because they've been in it long enough and they figured things out. But um hopefully whatever whatever's the situation with Baron they can figure out and uh can return to play next year all right so now now it is time for top uh we're gonna wrap things up like we always do kind of each giving two news stories soccer related stories that caught our mind this week doesn't necessarily have to be minnesota soccer related can certainly be minnesota soccer related um, so Dom, I will let you go first this week. All right. Um, I will start out with a shout out to, uh, Chronics FC and alpha who won the men's and women's soccer tournaments at J4 this weekend. Uh, uh, important, uh, community soccer tournament in the history of the twin cities. Obviously, uh, uh, J4 for those who don't know is, is essentially a, uh, independence day weekend a celebration largely based around the, the Hmong community uh, and so those two teams won the men's and women's tournaments this year um, very cool to see that continue to be a part of the of the soccer culture in the Twin Cities I actually would have liked to stop by for the final or something but I couldn't wasn't able to but um, yeah and, and cool you know through uh, through the photos that they put out of the festival Brian and, and um, uh, Michael Vane were, were at this tournament, uh, you know, uh, Brian at playing, Michael not. Um, you know, the, it's a, a great part of, of the soccer culture in the Twin Cities. So great to see it continue to happen. Uh, obviously, COVID uh, made some of that harder in, in previous years. 
And uh, again, congratulations to, to Chronics and Alpha for, for taking home the silverware on that one. All right, Dom, let's do a little bit different this week. Go ahead and give both of yours, okay. and then I'll All give right. both of mine. My second one is is uh, more more for the laughs, but it's it's raging on Twitter right now. It's actually breaking news because it just got made official that Francisco Calvo is 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 on a plane to Turkey as we speak uh, to join. Uh, I apologize, don't know how to pronounce, but uh, Konya Spor uh, in in the Turkish first tier. Uh, they finished third last season, and they're actually um, in the uh, Europa Conference League qualifier stages. So. Uh, a team that's in a in a pretty reputable position, and Francisco Calvo is is leaving San Jose to to join them. He's going to Europe, uh, something I imagine he's uh, wanted to do for for much of his career. Uh, so congratulations to to the former loon, the former loon's captain, uh, on the move. Obviously, some folks on social media had uh, thoughts on on the move, considering uh, sort of his defensive record in recent seasons, but. Clearly, uh, this this club in Turkey is uh, interested in you know a center back who's going to the World Cup, uh, who has had uh, shiny moments in his career, and uh, yeah. So again, uh, shout out to to former loons, former loons captain Francisco Calvo, it's a tongue twister, uh, on uh, on on his move to uh, European football, potentially uh, making a run in in the Europa Conference League. And uh, I look forward to to tracking how how his uh, big move and his his big season uh, go. All right, now it's time to give my two, and my first one is very very relevant to MLS. So they are sort of in addition to using MLS Next Pro as a as a feeder system, if you will, and developing players through it. They're also going to be using the league to to test certain rules and regulations that they might want to consider implementing in major league soccer and we're getting the first taste of that with a couple of uh of new rules that pertain to mls next pro that will be in effect for the remainder of this season and beyond the first one being a time wasting rule dom so if a player is down and seeming injured for at least 15 seconds that player will then be forced to leave the field and get treatment on the sideline and they will have to stay off the field for at least three minutes before being able to return to the field. I guess a question for you, Dom, regarding this, do you think this will, this will make a difference? Do you think three minutes is a long enough time to be uh, off the pitch for players to sort of, you know, cut the, uh, the, the time wasting and the embellishment a little bit? You know, I will say three minutes is, in my opinion, it is actually quite a lot. Um, yeah, it's interesting. You know, in the last 20 or so years, or actually 30 years now, there's been a lot of different things done to affect time wasting. You know, a lot of people my age don't even realize that this happened. But in the 90s, they made several rules about goalkeeping to prevent time wasting. Obviously, the, the pass back rule, rules about the goalkeeper holding the ball for longer than a certain period of time. Uh, and a lot of those rules did improve uh, uh, the issue of time wasting, albeit I, I think players often found new ways to t waste time um, and, and work around those rules. So I imagine a similar trajectory for this. Um, that being said, it, it's an interesting way to approach the problem, which is you know a, a very real problem that players know they can go down, pretend to be hurt, 
or exaggerate their injury and, you know, potentially waste several, several minutes of, uh, of time. So I, I, I'm not upset about the league deciding to experiment with a solution. I think it's interesting that MLS Nets Pro is being used this way. Kind of reminds me a recent other example of, of using another league like this is reminds me of, of how the reformed XFL was being used by the NFL to a degree as, as sort of a way mm. to try different rules, different ways of playing the game. Um, so, you know, I, I don't hate that approach. I don't, and I certainly don't hate this attempt to, uh, to fix the problem, whether or not it really solves it. I don't know. I, you know, I, we, we might, we might see a generation of, of footballers who become really good at counting to 14 or 13 seconds. Um, <laughs> but you know, so anytime you put a number, anytime you put a, you know, it always, the other thing mm-hmm. that I could see happen, who knows? I mean, maybe, I don't know. One thing that occurs to me, I actually mentioned it earlier. FIFA made that rule, the six second rule about the goalkeeper holding the ball. That rule is not enforced. It is a rule, no. but the referees actively do not pay attention to it. So I do wonder if, you know, that sort of lack of enforcement could, could potentially mean that this rule, even if it was put into certain leads, wouldn't result in anything. But uh, again, interesting idea. I, and I don't hate the idea of using a lead like this, which is, you know, sort of this development academy based sort of lead. Uh, I, I don't hate the idea of using it as a, as a way to test things out. So we'll see. So I'm going to kind of combine my two into this one because there are two different rules being tested here. So you have the time wasting rule, which I, I like, I like trying new things, trying to find ways to sort of get that embellishment kind of uh, limit that a little bit. It's always going to be part of the game, but at some levels it can get pretty ridiculous. Um, so I, I do appreciate them trying to find new ways to combat that. Uh, one that I'm not quite as bullish on is enforcement of red card suspensions. Um, so an MLS next pro now, um, if you get a red card, if you get red card suspension, you will, you won't have to, uh, to sit that out. That won't be enforced the next time, the next game, it will be enforced the next time you play the same team in which you got the red card against. So oh, I didn't, I didn't hear about this. Yes. Oh, weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that makes no sense. What if, what if you don't play that team again? Like that's, right. that's my response. Right. I was like, what if it's like late in the season and you don't play them again until next year, but that guy's not even on the team moving forward. Will, will another player then have to like sit out? I don't know. It's well, but it's also weird. what do you, what do you do for red cards that suspend you for multiple games? So if you are if you play the team once, you get the card, and you can't play them the next time. But then, do you also not play them the third time next season? Like, how does that even? That's very confusing. It's weird. It's yeah, weird. I don't... I'm I'm interested. I'm intrigued. I'm not gonna lie, but I don't see this one sticking at all. Yeah, that's a weird one. That that might just be an MLS Nets Pro thing. <laughs> I don't think anyone else is gonna. Hey, yeah, MLS is totally weird, sure. man. If we know anything about MLS, they could adopt this rule. Yeah, <laughs> tomorrow. <That'd be> fascinating. <laughs> yeah, uh, so interesting that they're sort of again using Next Pro as sort of a, a yeah. trial for some new rules. Some we like, some we don't. But either way, yeah. uh, it's cool that they're getting the opportunity to try those out in in one league and potentially adopt them uh, in MLS. 
moving forward. Um, speaking of moving forward, uh, if you are not a subscriber at patreon.com slash soda soccer, go ahead and move forward and do that because that's where you can find this week's edition of 10K Stoppage Time, myself and Dominic Jose Bazonio discussing the rumored interest of Minnesota United uh, for Venezuelan Andres Romero. Kind of a combining of Dominic Jose Bazonio's two worlds with Minnesota United and football English. So he has all the scoop, all the uh, knowledge, everything you need on who Andres Romero is and what he could potentially bring to the loons. We are going to discuss all that right now over on patreon.com slash soda soccer. So make sure you tune into that. And another edition of 10,000 pitches will be in your feed next Friday. Dom, thank you. Thank you everyone else for listening. We appreciate it. We will catch you next week for another episode of 10,000. Have a great weekend. everybody.